This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The Hornets stung at Anfield as the Reds, albeit momentarily, move top of the Premier League table. The European front row takes centre stage as the Reds launch their next offensive. Plus, we'll bring you our team selector and match predictions as well. To do all that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Tall Paul Gorse, the Bramflakes boy himself, Matt Addison, and keeping on the pulse, Trends writer Charlotte Coates. I hope you are all well. Gorsey, I'll, I'll throw over to you first. And I suppose the word to sum up Saturday's win was routine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Liverpool were ever going to be at the fluent best um, straight from the international break. You know, players don't return until oh. Thursday. Um, can't really do too much in terms of training. It's just about making sure that everyone's fit and healthy and, and they're ready to go for Saturday. And throw in the fact that it was R12 kickoff as well, which are notorious, you know, post-international breaks. Um, I, I think it was only expected that Liverpool were going to kind of just meander through. And I never expected them to do anything other than win. I said on the pod on Friday that they were going to win 4-0. I suppose I was being a little bit optimistic with that. Um, probably a little bit more nervy than I had to be, but I think that's just looking at it with the Liverpool glasses on. I think if you if you were a you know a full on neutral watching that game for the final twenty five minutes, half an hour, you're thinking Liverpool are um comfortable and, and this is not going to be anything other than a Liverpool win. But um the Fabinho penalty late on was important just to make sure that it was Liverpool who were getting the three points and going above City, if only temporarily. But yeah, uh, routine, ordinary, standard. Um you know, you you're never going to hit the heights every week, so Liverpool can just carry on picking up the points while they're not at 100%, then, um, you know, that's that's what we want to see, I guess. Yeah, Matt, I think I worked it out. It was just over two hours Liverpool were, were top, given they took the lead through Diogo Jota 20 minutes into the game and City went ahead five minutes into to their game with Burnley. But I suppose it is a reminder, isn't it? Just four-man City, Liverpool aren't going anywhere and don't even need to be at their best a lot of the time to, to get these wins on the board. Yeah, it was only a short period, wasn't it? But I think that's pretty much what everyone was expecting. I don't think anyone realistically thought that Burnley were going to do Liverpool a favour. I think that's how it's going to be, really, isn't it, for for the majority of the rest of this season? There might be a time, hopefully there is a time, when Liverpool can get there and, and stay there. But I don't think it's it's going to be the case that you, know, that you can expect anything to happen. I think it is going to be very, very close, as it was a couple of seasons ago, to be honest. And I think that the crucial thing really for Liverpool was that they won and didn't really get out of first or second gear. I think that's going to be really important over the next few weeks. There's just so many games you, you look at, you know, even trying to plan our content and our schedule. It's it's just crazy trying to, to work out where you've got to be at certain times, where you've, you've got to sort of plan out all of these things. And I think that... That obviously is something that Liverpool are going to have to think about. I thought it was interesting that they didn't play Fabinho from the start. There was no uh, sort of risks taken with Trent Alexander-Arnold. There was there were certain decisions there which which make you think that Liverpool are looking very much in the the medium to long term for for this season. So yeah, it, it was fairly comfortable. Um, I think Watford did have a couple of chances. Whether they might have been offside had they gone in, I don't know. But it was one of those where. If Liverpool needed to go and get another goal, if they needed to go up another gear, they they absolutely could have done that. They they managed to win pretty much at, at walking pace for for most of it. Dictated the play, dictated everything that that they needed to really, and 
like I say, that's that's going to be important. If you can do that as often as possible, I don't think it's going to be possible too many times, given the, the sort of big fixtures that are coming up with Champions League and Manchester City and Derby games and, and all of that sort of thing. But yeah, when you get the opportunity against a team like Watford, that's exactly what you've got to do, I think. Charlotte, does it speak to the brilliance of what this Liverpool side do under Jurgen Klopp, where they are ordinary? There was a number of, of ordinary performances. No one really... I mean, Thiago was, was brilliant in the midfield. We'll, we'll talk about him in a bit. And Joe Gomez deputising also good. But by and large, a number of the big players didn't really have to play too well. And, and yet, kind of, the win's just taken for granted almost. Yeah, they're, a, they're just a bit of a winning machine at the moment. It reminds me of like, when I was a bit younger and... Liverpool weren't near the title or anything and they were like United, City, whoever and you just always assume that they'd win, like they'd just find a way to win and Liverpool are kind of like that now, It's they don't have to like a few years ago Liverpool it felt as if they had to play near the best to get a good result or in these games where could potentially slip up against the Watford where it's the first game of the weekend win, you go top and it was a must-win game, like every game is now. Um, potential for it to get nervy late on, or what potentially nick a goal. But there's Liverpool side; they don't do it. They're not, they're not conceding goals. Don't look like conceding goals. Don't look like losing games. Um, so they are they are just a winning machine. It's that mentality, isn't it, Paul? Where I mean, obviously dubbed the, the mentality monsters, but they have reached that kind of intangible level that. Sides effectively can be beaten in the tunnel before they've even walked out. Yeah, City have had that for, for a while. Um, Liverpool have kind of developed it over the last, what, maybe since the middle of the title winning season when they were just kind of rolling on and, and teams are almost just accepting the, the fate. Um, but you look at you look at, at City, I think what, what might be a, a big factor in the title winning is you look at Liverpool's games, I was saying this on Saturday during the game, Liverpool are made to work hard for their wins. Um, you know, look at it, they needed the late penalty to secure the win on Saturday, where City go to Burnley and, and the two up within 15, 20 minutes or whatever it is, certainly 1-0 up inside the first 10. Um, and then teams from there on in just kind of except that it might not be their day against the side as good as, as Manchester City. So Liverpool are, are expending more energy to win games. And, and I think, you know, particularly with Liverpool, well, I suppose both teams have still got loads to, to play for, but with Liverpool kind of looking to, to push on for, for the quadruple, I think that might ultimately have a, have a big say in, in who wins the title. Um, plus, obviously, the fact that Liverpool are still going to play United and, and Everton in that week and, well, I think Liverpool are hugely superior to United and Everton aren't even, you know, on the same planet at the moment as Liverpool in terms of, you know, being a footballing team. Both of those teams are going to be giving a helpful leather, aren't they? Trying to take points off Liverpool. Liverpool still going to play Tottenham, who I think are really dangerous on the counter attack. So it's going to be difficult for Liverpool, but um, I think once they, they get into a bit more rhythm of, of training, you know, regularly because they haven't been able to the last two weeks after. Properly, so I think that's when you will start to see the, the rhythm that Jurgen Klopp places so much importance on. Start to come back into this Liverpool team, and then hopefully by um, what is it uh, Sunday afternoon they will be up to full speed. And we've got a um, 
monolithic clash, and me, Liverpool at the Etihad, but obviously Benfica to come first. But I'm sure, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I don't envision too many problems um, Tuesday night. Yeah, no, really interesting that point. And, and Matt, just exploring it and talking kind of a bit deeper on it, I, I suppose the Champions League games where there's five substitutes in and, I mean, an FA Cup semi-final, five subs again, they will be the games where, I suppose, within it, Jurgen Klopp can look to, to rest players. It's definitely not the case in the Premier League, but equally, as the Champions League goes deeper, the games become more significant. And that FA Cup semi-final against City, it's not really as though players can just be withdrawn after 60 and take a rest. No, I don't think the City one is is one that you'd have your eye on in terms of, of that, just because, you know, the you would expect it's going to be incredibly tight. I wouldn't be surprised if it went to extra time, that kind of thing. I think it's it's one of those where you need the, the first choice 11 on the pitch for as long as, as possible, really. But the one where I think you maybe can do that, and again, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself in terms of, of playing Benfica. They are at this point in the competition for a reason. But I think if Liverpool can go to Benfica and, and get a couple of goals ahead, I think that could be you know such a, a huge thing over the course of, of the next fortnight. I think... Obviously, the, the subs thing comes into it, but even just the ability to make one or two changes, maybe if you didn't have to play Thiago in the, the second leg, or maybe you could rest Mohamed Salah, for example, who I think has, has looked a little bit tired now for, for a few weeks. I think that's that's what you've kind of got you, your eye on a little bit. I mentioned, obviously, before getting ahead against Watford, and then you can kind of cruise across and, and not get out of second gear, but... I think there is there is an opportunity to do that in the Champions League as well. The, the draw has gone the way that if if any team was was a team that could be set up in a way that it could work in Liverpool's favour, I think it would certainly you know be Benfica out of, of the teams that they could have gotten. Obviously, we've seen Liverpool go to, to Porto and, and win heavily in the past. It's it's not like it's it's not been done before. I mean. Liverpool won't be thinking out about it directly like this, but I do think there's there's a real opportunity there to, to go and get a couple of goals. I know away goals are, are not a thing anymore, but if you can get yourself a bit of a margin, we even saw that in the, the last round against Inter Milan. Liverpool just did enough in that second leg. I think if you can put yourself into a, a position where you can kind of take your foot off the gas for the second leg, obviously with, with City being either side of it, I think that could be that could be massively important. And listen, Atletico Madrid are, are not the team that they were two or three seasons ago, but I think they'll certainly be, that'll be a lot closer tie, I would imagine, over the two legs for, for City to contest. And so, yeah, that's that's certainly what I've got my eye on. Obviously, whichever way Liverpool do it, whichever way they get through is important. But if they can get themselves a bit of a lead, I think that would be a, that would be a thing in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, Man City did it in the last episode, it was 5-0 even after half an hour and being able to just stroll through the rest of them whereas Liverpool we know the options they now have the full squad is going to be needed to, to be used and maximised oh yeah Definitely. You see Matt Mendon and Thiago possibly not playing in the second leg if, if they get a lead good enough. Um, he's massive to this Liverpool side. In all the big games, you need him on the pitch. So having you've got players such as Kurt Jones, Bobby Elliott, Naby Keita if he's fit, um, Ox, Oxlade-Chamberlain could potentially come in. There's just, there's just options all over the pitch now. You saw Joe Gomez come in for Trent. So Trent... In maybe a season or two ago, might have been missed. He might have um, started on Saturday, 
but it just gave him the chance to sit on the bench, be ready for Tuesday, be ready for the City match. Um, but the main ones um, up front for Liverpool, I think, obviously with the options they've got now, in, in previous seasons, it would have just been Salah, Mane, Firmino in every game possible. And then it gets to the point where it's like, oh, not scoring goals or, or something along those lines because they look tired. Whereas now you've got Jota, is, you've got to say he's in that, he's in that first choice um, front three now. And then Luis Diaz, some what he's done since coming in um, has been great. So in these in these matches, these four matches that are coming up now against Benfica and City, you've got to say that there's going to be changes. There's going to be changes up there. And they're not changes where you'd look at the side and think, oh, well, the side's weaker now. Like, no disrespect to Origi or Minamino, but when, say, you took Mane out and Origi was on the left or something, then you'd be thinking, oh, well, it's not as strong as it used to be. But Diaz is there. And Mane is on the bench, then you're not really thinking much of it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. No, definitely. And we saw that in, in practice, didn't we, Gorsley, at the weekend when Salah wasn't having his best game. And maybe whereas in, in the past, Jurgen Klopp would have just kept him on and gone, well, he's Mohamed Salah, who'll come up with something in the end. Mm. He was brought off sort of midway through the second half. Yeah, it was no surprise, really, you know, with, it, with anything that happened. Salah wasn't at his best. Because obviously he played a lot of football, and he with Egypt, he went, you know, two huge head-to-heads with Senegal, and then it went to extra time, and then penalties. So I wasn't surprised to see him not at his best, and I think with Gomez being at right back, um, basically afforded offered the chance to get more men around Salah. You know, if Trent's down the right, there's going to be you know natural bit of attention towards him as well. So I think Wofford swarmed Salah at a time when he's probably a bit tired and not at his best. So it was no surprise to see him not play particularly well and no surprise to see him brought off either because of, as you say, that kind of depth that, that Liverpool do have now. Um, so the, the the thing that I like now with Liverpool's attacking options is it's five into three, isn't it? And... Whoever you're picking out of those five, you, you can't really look at it and think, well, that's nowhere near as as good a combination as as the others because um, everyone contributes. You know, Origi and Minamino, like like Charlotte says now, you know they're always kind of a little rung or two below, aren't they? That that front three, front four, front five, and they've done really well in keeping Liverpool kind of on on the road to to where where they are now. I don't really see them playing too much, if I'm honest now, between now and the end of the season. Maybe just to rest a few legs in the games where you can use five subs if Liverpool have the opportunity to do that. But, um, yeah, the, the Liverpool's defence has been superb for weeks and with the ability to rest and rotate that front five into the three positions, um, it's just going to be fascinating, isn't it? You know, seeing what happens over the next few weeks. But... Like Charlotte says, it's these four games now, two against Benfica and two against City, which are, are going to be um, incredibly important to what follows on. Yeah, just a quick one, Gorsley, coming back to you there on kind of what you say there with the, the five subs with the Origi and Minamino and in particular on those guys. Do you think it will change Liverpool's transfer approach in the summer, the fact that the five subs were introduced to the Premier League? Because it seemed the Premier League had been hesitant to it, but now obviously that's happened. I mean, Origi, to all intents and purposes, does look as though he'll be moving on. But say with Aminamino, do you think it'll be a case of 
he may then be kept around for being a body around the place, or, or will those kind of slots, do you reckon, be used to kind of integrate the likes of Kyde Gordon more into yeah. the first team? It's a good question, actually, because certainly in January, Liverpool were not actively looking to sell Minamino, but it was made clear that if a, if a big fee came in, then they would look and think long and hard about it. Um, Leeds came in, I think, um, and were kind of trying to get him on the cheap, essentially. Um, Monaco were interested as well. But I don't know whether the thinking might change because of that five-subs rule, yeah. I mean, Origi looks like he has he is into the last few weeks and months of his, of his Liverpool contract now, and he, he'll be giving a massive pat on the back and leave as a massive cult hero, won't he? But with Minamino, that, that is an interesting one. I do think the five-subs will be a big opportunity for the likes of Kate Gordon next season. Um but I guess it just depends, doesn't it? I mean, this is a bit of a, of a weird season in terms of Liverpool going for going for absolutely everything. It hasn't always been the case, has it? Normally they've met the demise quite early on, actually, in the FA Cup. I don't think they've ever been past the fifth round on the clock. Um, got to the final of the Carabao Cup in 2016, but since then they've, they've been eliminated early on as well, apart from one semi-final against Southampton. So... It's probably a difficult season to to use as your your kind of map for going forward because Liverpool are very rarely involved in, in everything, are they? So I'm not sure on that point, but it's it's an interesting one to for Liverpool to consider actually for the long term. You know, do we keep around? Do we need seven forwards forwards when we um, when we can make five subs? Uh, I suppose we'll wait and see. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, Charlotte, I'll come back to you and, and kind of on the, the Watford game. Last point to kind of make on it really is, I suppose, you can look back at it now and say it was kind of the ideal game at the ideal time, a, a game off the back of the international break, not kind that it was the half-twelve kickoff, but being at home against the relegation struggling side and a game in which for the likes of Thiago, if he's going to be paramount in these kind of upcoming run of games, a game for him really to kind of find his feet and, and really just put in a, a majestic kind of performance like he did. Yeah, yeah. I think it's well known that Liverpool aren't the best when they've not really had games. It sounds strange, but playing like twice a week almost, I know it, may, it makes players tired, but the squad rotation now that Liverpool have, it, it means that everyone is kind of finding a rhythm inside and that's when Liverpool are really at the best. Um, so for someone like Thiago, who... Didn't go away with Spain. He got he got a nice rest um, in the week. So for him to come in and play against Watford, and he just he's sensational, isn't it? He's he's the main along with Fabinho in that midfield. You've got to say they're the two that they've they've got to start every big game for Liverpool, really. Um, and it's quite exciting to see what he can what he'll be able to do against Man City against the midfield where. He could slot into that Man City midfield with absolutely no problem and probably make them better. Um, Guardiola's spoken already like, quite a few times about how much he, he respects Thiago and how good he is. Signed him at uh, Munich, didn't he, from Barcelona? Yeah, first so, signing, thank you. Sure. Yeah, so he's, he's well aware of his talents and I'm sure he might even have a special plan for him on Sunday because it's vital that Liverpool get Thiago playing on the ball and the game, pinging passes around and controlling the game. But City will know that and they'll they'll want to try and stop him. Um, so yeah, keeping keeping him in fit and playing well, it's it's huge for what Liverpool can do for the uh, for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, Matt, I suppose it feeds into that kind of thing Gorsty was saying of trying to take a, a breather during the game is, I suppose, and we, we sat, I know you'll probably be quick to point out after his first season on very much contrasting sides of defence as to the impact Thiago had had at Liverpool. Uh, I've been proven wrong in the long run of just how influential he is, but that control he exerts over midfields and, and starving opponents of possession will be key in, in ensuring that Liverpool don't overexert themselves. Yeah, exactly that. We know exactly what he brings to the table. I think the the bigger games, the the Manchester City and the Champions League and and all of those games will be the ones that people kind of look to Thiago for for the big moments in and and the the ability to to be able to dictate those games. But I do think he's he's just as important against the Watford to be able to to cruise past teams like that, I think is is a a really important thing for for all of, of the reasons we've been through. So, yeah, I think there's... There's probably two or three players that that probably have to stay fit if if Liverpool are going to go close to to winning everything this season. He is certainly one of them. Probably put Van Dijk and, and Trent into that as well. Possibly you could say someone like Salah, but then of course you've got the the other options in the forward line. Maybe he's not quite as as important in in that regard. But yeah, I, I think for me, if if Liverpool have got any chance of of going and, and winning all four trophies this season. It's going to have to be the case that Thiago stays fit between now and, and the end of this season because he is just, you know, as I say, in, in all types of, of different games, so, so vital to, to the way that, that Liverpool play. And again, they've got loads of, of midfield options, but but none of them really do the, the job that he can do. So, yeah, we know the record of, of him and Fabinho together. We know the, the record when Liverpool have, have got him in their team. So, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how Jurgen Klopp manages him because I wouldn't have thought that he could start, you know, against Watford, then do City and Benfica twice in in the space of, of basically a couple of weeks. I think that would be would be difficult for him, tricky given that the injury record that he's got. So I think there will be there will be managing of his minutes over the next few weeks, but there's there's not really you know there's not too many games that you wouldn't want him in because. As I say, he is, he is just so good. So, yeah, fingers crossed he can stay fit. But it's uh, it, it's one of those. It, it could come down to, to something like that as to whether Liverpool go all the way or not. No, I struggle to think of a, a better midfield, Gorsley, that you would want for trying to go the distance on multiple yeah. fronts. I mean, Fabinho, we saw what he did against Barcelona and been part of this successful Liverpool side. Jordan Henderson's led the club magnificently well. And Thiago's just scooped up every trophy that's going. They are yeah. guys who know the distance. Yeah, I, I think Liverpool have been unlucky really with Thiago because just thinking then as, as Matt was answering, I don't think he's played in, in any of the you know what he called big games this season, has he? Certainly, I think Curtis Jones played against City. Um, he was meant to start the Carabao Cup final, obviously had to pull out injured in that one. Didn't play against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Looking back all the way to August Bank Holiday, I don't think he was in the team against Chelsea. Didn't play at Old Trafford. Um, don't think he played at Everton. So, He's missed all of the big games, so Liverpool don't really know how much of an impact he can have, you know, in these huge, massive games. But looking at his kind of track record, as you say there, you know, I think he's one of the most decorated players of the 2010s, if you look at his, his honours list. Um, it's quite exciting to think that having him in the team, the impact he can have in, in these big games, such as an FA Cup semi-final or Man City away in the Premier League, so um, it's basically just about preserving him, isn't it? I don't think he's going to be fit enough to play every game for the rest of the season. I think the Pillars still got 15 or 16 games to play if they want to go to the finals of both cup competitions. So he's not going to play in all of them. I think 
it'd be foolish to believe that he's just going to be able to to play without any kind of special um, preservation. Um, so it's about managing his minutes, I guess, and and maybe tomorrow night is, is a good opportunity to, to to bring him out and keep him fresh for Sunday afternoon. We'll, we'll come on to that in a minute, won't we? But um, yeah, it's, if if he can keep him fit, it's going to be interesting to see how he, um, you know, the kind of influence he has for these massive games. Yeah, definitely. Before we get on to the Benfica game, Gorsley, I'll come back to you. Reports on Sunday leaking out, emerging out that maybe there may well be breakthrough in the stalemate to resolve Mohamed Salah's ongoing contractual saga. I mean, regardless of, of if the breakthrough of the contract is going to be agreed now and effectively done, even getting him back to the negotiating table will be just a, a huge boost for Liverpool for what they have with everything going on off the field as well ahead of this run in the, the the less noise around things like that the better surely oh yeah 100% and I've made the point in the, the analysis from the Watford game we don't know how much of an impact that is having directly on Salah at the moment but he hasn't scored in open play since the Norwich game which was the middle of February he scored three penalties since doesn't quite look to be in that vein of form that he was in in the autumn when he was you know, doing incredible things on a weekly basis. But look, whether, whether he's in form, out of form or whatever, nothing's changed on, on the, the contact front. Something that will need to get done. If he says he wants to stay, the owners have got to make a, for my, my money anyway, they've got to make him a special case. Um, ultimately, that wage structure is, is clearly defined and well-managed as it is, and it's sensible. Ultimately, it's only in place to, you know, like the owners, I guess. You know, if Liverpool can break it, then Mohamed Salah is the player you're breaking it for, isn't he? And uh, those stories over the weekend, I think, you know, I've seen a few people saying, oh, well, the Express is saying it, the Minute is saying it, it's on Sky Sports, and, and it, it wasn't really. It was one particular story in the Sunday Minute that the Sunday Express also used, um, written by the same journal, the exact same story, word for word, and then Sky Sports included it in their kind of media roundup. So, um, very much emanating from one particular journalist. Um, and, you know, I'm speaking to people based in Egypt on the on the Saturday night when the, when the story broke, trying to see if, if there was, had been any kind of breakthrough and anything like that. And all, all the suggestions were that it was as it is. So um, I wouldn't be hanging your hat on a, on a Mo contract renewal, you know, certainly this week anyway. Yeah, no, Charlotte, we've had everyone's take on the Blood Red podcast on it. Matt and I did an agenda yesterday, so I won't ask you on it again, Matt, to regurgitate what you said on that. If you want to hear that, go and listen to it or watch it. But Charlotte, as Gorsley said there, it is a special case, isn't it? It's Mohamed Salah, a team that has been built to maximise the very best from him, a club that absolutely adores him, the supporters and everyone behind the scenes. Surely it's it's kind of common sense will, will prevail eventually. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so, but football, strange things happen, don't they? Um, you like to think that he's going to sign eventually. Um, they'll just come to an agreement where maybe he'll drop his demands or Liverpool will up what they've offered. Um, but he's loved at Liverpool. He's, he's experienced football before where he's not been loved and like his time at Chelsea and all that. I know he was younger then, but... He's, he's worshipped at Liverpool and all 
him, him going, him staying at the club and breaking records, carrying on breaking records, winning things, and him, if his goal is to win individual trophies, be higher in the Ballon d'Or. I don't know if that'll ever happen because him finishing seventh in uh, December's was a bit of a farce, but him being at Liverpool in a great side, winning things is only going to help him. And the, the clubs that are linked to him, Barcelona, PSG, you only have to see what happens at them clubs. PSG, their fans booing Messi and Neymar, um, look miles away from winning the Champions League. And then you've got Barcelona where Salah's going to be, if he did go there, he's going to be 30. They're not close to winning Champions League any time. I'm not saying that the as bad as they were, they're doing all right under Javi, but it seems to be a bit of a, a project. And at 30, is it something that you really want to go to? Um, and then if, you, if, if you're wanting them wages that are reportedly what he's after, where are you going to get them? Man City? Would he do that? Would he cut all ties with Liverpool fans by going, going there? Um, I'm sure it'd be a massive success there, but it's not really what I want to see. Um, but you do, you do just hope that sense prevails really and surely Liverpool's owners they can't they can't just let him go like especially on a I don't know really because if you keep him for another season and then it kind of becomes clear that he's not going to sign a contract you let him go on a free and then all that season you you kind of know that he's going um or do you sell him this summer and for a cut price fee where you're not going to replace him directly because to do that, you'd need like an Mbappe or a Haaland, and it's just not going to happen. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, no, interesting. We'll have to wait and see how it does play out. Matt, let's have a word on Benfica before we get on to our, our team selector as well. And uh, I think maybe a bit of disrespect's been shown their way in terms of brushing over them with what is to come. But this is going to be a, a tough game and a tie that Liverpool do still need to get themselves through. It's not just one on paper. And I suppose at the top end of the pitch, the star player for them is the man inheriting two players in one for, for Uruguay, as it were. Darwin Nunes having to succeed both Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez. I mean, it's it's some task that he's got, but he's, he's shown. He was outscoring Luis Diaz prior to his arrival at Liverpool. They do have threats on their side. Yeah, they've got a few good players. They are a decent team, but I still think, you know, as much as Liverpool have to take it seriously, they should be pretty confident of, of going into this tie and, and being able to win it fairly comfortably. I mean, I think they're sort of 12 or 13 points behind Porto in the, the Portuguese league. I think Porto have got a game in hand on them as well from, from memory as well. So I think, you know, there's there's clearly a bit of a gap in, in league terms between those two teams. Liverpool have played Porto enough times to, to know the kind of, of level that they're at. I think, you know, Luis Diaz, I would imagine, as we'll come to, will we'll play a, a fairly big part in, in this tie as well. He's used to, to playing against Benfica. He knows how to, to come up a, against that sort of, of a team. So, yeah, look, they, they do have one or two good players. There's there's a couple of, of decent opportunities to, to have a look at, at some decent players there. Uh, Julian Weigel is, is there as well, isn't he now? There's, there's a couple of, of decent options within that team, but Listen, Liverpool are, Liverpool are one of the best teams in the world. I think it's fair to say that Benfica are, are pretty decent. They're, they're a good side, but they're, they're nowhere near on, on Liverpool's level. So, yeah, for Liverpool, it's uh, it's definitely a, an opportunity, I think. As I said before, I think it's it's not just an opportunity to get through to a semi-final. I think it's a real opportunity to hopefully 
put the game to, to bed in, in the first leg, go there and, and produce a, a statement performance. It's not going to be easy, but you know, Liverpool have, have shown in the past that they're more than capable of doing that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, of course, just just really quickly on Benfica, I suppose it's one of those of, of play the opponent, not the occasion. The 4-0 mm-hmm. over Barcelona was playing the occasion, making yourself get to the final. But this one, if they if they don't maybe treat it as a, a quarter-final of the Champions League, as it were, and just play what's in front of them, should have far too much to just, just brush them aside, no? They should do, yeah. I was looking at the, the Portuguese league when the draw was made and, and they're 12 points behind Porto and, and Liverpool beat Porto. Was it seven nil, seven one over the over the two leg two games uh, in in Group B, um, and Sporting were ahead of them, and, and Man City made short work of them. Didn't need have tie was done and dusted within half an hour of the first leg. So um, yeah, I, I don't imagine too many problems. I was speaking to someone who's based in, in Portuguese football last week, and, and they were saying that we kind of look to change the the way they operate, and, and they've got more experienced players in, you know, players who've been around the block as opposed to looking to kind of bring through the, the next stars of, of Portuguese football like they had done with likes of João Felix in, in previous years. Um, but all things were pointing towards a Liverpool victory across the two legs. It'd be nice for, for Liverpool if they can do the business tomorrow in the same way City did against Sporting and, and uh, make sure that that second leg is, uh, you know, an effective dead rubber. But um, I don't think they'll be thinking that way yet. I think they'll just be thinking of keeping the professional heads on and, and getting the job done. Yeah, no, definitely. And Charlotte Gorsley, their reference, the experience, I think at the heart of defence, they've two, I think they're both 34 at least, Jan Vertonghen and Nicholas Otamendi. I mean, guys in the Premier League who have been given the runaround in their prime by the likes of Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. So surely it should should be light work. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so, but Champions League, what final, big game, but Liverpool have been here many a time. Um, should just be you thinking it's one of those games that the the players can look to think we can put a few past these today because your likes of Salah, Mane, like you say, they're going to look at like Tongan's been he's he was a great player for Tottenham in his day. Um, not saying Otamendi's a bad one, but he's been plenty of times he, he was embarrassed in a Man City shirt against Liverpool, and your likes of Salah, Mane, Firmino, if he plays Jota, going to be looking at him and thinking. Yeah, we, we know we can get the better of him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of them where Liverpool hopefully can not make it nervy, um, get get a few goals, a couple of goals, and you're thinking, take them back to Anfield next week and rotate the squad a bit, give them a bit of a rest, ready for the semi-final against City. Yeah, no, four years today, Nicholas Otamendi started for Man City in a 3-0 quarter-final defeat at Anfield. So, hey, good time to, to bring that up. Right, let's get into our team selector. Go with Alison Becker in goal. Big, bold shout, as ever, from the host. Gorsty, back four, what are you thinking? I honestly don't know whether he'll keep Joe Gomez in there. Now. Um, yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think this is one for for Conte. I think um, I think Van Dijk will play 
it'd be interesting to still play all of them, but you do have to sort of pick and choose when you take him out. I don't think it's going to be this one, though. I think uh, Van Dijk and Conate, I'm going to keep Joe Gomez in, actually. I'm going to give Joe Gomez an hour at right back, but then I think with the, the five subs, I think it's the perfect opportunity to, to bring Trent on for, for half an hour, get him a little bit of rhythm for the weekend. And yeah, I'd imagine Andy Robertson will play. I think there's a good chance that Simicast might play the uh, the second leg, but I think probably Robertson for the first one. And Charlotte, yourself? Uh, yeah, I think the same. I think Gomez will start the game. Um, not quite risking Trent. And then, like Matt said, I think Trent will get on to give him a bit of bit of rhythm before the City game. Um, and then I think Canate will play alongside Van Dijk with Robertson at left back. OK, Matt, what about the midfield? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The midfield, I think. Um, yeah, I wish you'd gone to someone else first, actually. Um, I think <laughs> Fabinho will definitely play, having not started at the weekend. Um, Curtis Jones got a little bit of a knock, didn't play particularly brilliantly either, so can't imagine it'd be him. We don't quite know um, about Naby Keita yet, not heard from Jurgen Klopp on him. I think I think if Naby Keita's fit, I'd probably go Keita, Fabinho and Henderson. But if not, it might have to be Thiago. OK, no no, Harvey Elliott there. Charlotte, what about your midfield? Uh, Fabinho, come back in. Um, I think John Henderson will start. And then I do think Thiago will start. I'm kind of in two minds about him because I want him in that City game. Um, but you've got a feel after a week off playing Watford, surely he can, he'll be fine. Um feel like he'll start because it is Champions League quarterfinal at the end of the day and it's nil-nil. So, yeah, I feel like he'll start. Maybe the reverse Trent, maybe he comes off after an hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking that. I think, I think Jota, I think Jota will start. And I don't, you'd like to think Salah would start because it's rare Salah would be benched in, especially in the Champions League quarterfinal. But he's not been in the best of form. Um, and he started at the weekend and Mane was on the bench. But I do, yeah, I think Salah will start. Okay. Ghosty, front three. Yeah, it's, it's an awkward one, isn't it, with Salah? I think Diaz will start. I think Jota will. Yeah, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. Um, Salah a rest. I'm going to pick Firmino and I'm going to play Jota down the right. And I think Jota for me is just a, a pure number nine mostly these days, isn't he? That's where he does his best work. But needs most, I think, just to give Salah a little bit of a breather. And um, we'll play Jota down the right and Diaz off the left. Jurgen Klopp did reference in his press conference after the game, didn't he? How Diogo Jota is evolving into a world-class striker, but does yeah. still play in those wide areas. Did it at Forest, didn't he? Came up with a goal, so even out wide, he gets into those goal-scoring yeah. positions. Matt, what about your your forward three? Yeah, I'm going to take Salah out as well. I think um, he, he's just played so much football recently. I know there's there's probably an argument there's maybe a, a bit of the, the contract uncertainty has possibly come into to the thinking in terms of, of his um, maybe lack of, of form. But I think it's it's just a lot of, of football really to play in. I'd be taking taking him out. I don't think he'll be too happy about it, but 
on Loggy. He's going to have to, to sit this one out. I think Luis Diaz and, and Sadio Mane, I think, are, are pretty much nailed on, given that they didn't start at the weekend. I think that'll be the plan. So, yeah, Diaz on the left, Mane on the right, and then Diogo Jota through the middle for me. Oh, three different combinations there. Then let's wait and see how it does play out. Match prediction time then. Gorsty, go with you first. What's the score, score going to be? <clears throat> nice and um, comfortable 2-0, I think. Anything above that, you'd be delighted with because you can really start to look at giving some breathers for the second leg. But, um, yeah, 2-0. Charlotte? 3-0. Uh, 3-0. And Matt? I'm going to stick with my usual. I always say 2-0, so 2-0. 2-0, just copying Gorsty there at the end. Anyway, that is it for us here for this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. Plenty of build-up to come, of course, across the Liverpool Echo website, as well as here on the Blood Red channel and on YouTube. We'll have a look at the Liverpool Open training. But from myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, Paul Gorst and Charlotte Coates, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.